afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. Hope I'm dropping into your podcast app on your iPhone, your Android, your Samsung. What else is out there? I know LeBron has a phone where he's kind of taken over the commercial with the, um, you know, uh, uh, Flo type girl, but she's in the phone world. I know Flo is with insurance and then you got the other girl that's pretty much trying to mimic her but she does the phone things and now lebron's taking it over are you gunning for my job it's the podcast pete forcey and we got a lot to dive into nfl football major league baseball it's the middle of october the hunt for october to be crowned a champion in major league baseball to really get your season off the runway with nfl football so brandon staley That guy is washed. I had high hopes for him. I did not realize the arrogance that this guy carried with him. And Russell Wilson, people are saying he's cooked. I got some thoughts on that. I do think he's he's got a ways to go if he's going to really prove to the Broncos that he was worth their while. And then St. Louis Cardinals baseball, that's over with. Two and done. Kind of abysmal way to go out, but just the nature of this new playoff format. So let's get to it. Major League Baseball, NFL football right here on the podcast weekly. Thanks for tuning in. I will begin with saying that Chiefs fans should be irate. They should be irate that Chris Jones was called for that roughing the passer penalty. And granted, you guys ended up winning the football game against the Raiders yesterday, Monday night football. Excellent AFC West matchup. And that's becoming my favorite division in all football to watch. I know they are having a great year now, but over the past several years, I've just really enjoyed the classic uniforms, the classic teams. They've all been in the same division forever, and they've all been together since their inception in the AFL in 1960. Clark Hunt, or excuse me, Lamar Hunt, the original owner of the Chiefs, he was the one that spearheaded the American Football League. And you had the Chargers back when they were in their first go-around in Los Angeles. The Raiders before Al Davis. Al Davis actually coached the Chargers before he went to the Raiders. little uh, unknown fact, I think, by the majority of people. And then you got the Broncos. Um, they've always been in Denver. And this is just a great division with all the great quarterbacks. And that's what Monday Night Football should feel like. Big-time matchup. Big time broadcast. He had Troy and Joe calling the game back and forth and another Chiefs victory. They are really becoming that type of team like the Steelers, the Colts, the Patriots. Uh, I, I guess I would even throw the Ravens maybe in there. Perpetual winners. Always winning the football game because they got a great quarterback, they got a great coach, and they know how to grind away at seasons. The thing with most teams today is that they think you can just accumulate talent and win games and win seasons and go to Super Bowls. Nah, it's not always pretty. And Mahomes and, and you know the gang, Kelsey, Reed, um, even um, you know some of their offensive linemen that are still there, they're just churning out W's, and yeah, they're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for, for 10 years. But the real thing here was roughing the passer. Chris Jones, you should be irate at that call if you're a Chiefs fan, but it's not even so much the call as it is the rule. The NFL is the one that's responsible for this. The referee did what he had to do. He had to enforce the call. He saw body weight. He 
through his yellow flag from from his pocket or from his waistline, wherever the hell they keep him nowadays. This is the NFL issue, and this is really just what it takes when you're going to have quarterbacks be protected at all costs. Everybody wants to have their starting quarterback available. Even the owners, they're paying them $25 plus million. I think I saw the stat from the Chiefs beat reporter. It's like 75% of quarterbacks that are starters make $25 million or more. Yeah, if you're an owner, that guy better be on the field <laughs> each and every Sunday. I'm a, I should not have to pay for a guy that's on IR because he got hit from a late uh, late pass that was uh, or a, a late defense alignment that flew in there after he threw his pass. Like they're gonna vote for those rules. As are the fans, it saves you. Your guy is gonna be out there. But this is kind of what it you know what it comes down to. You're gonna have these egregious mistakes, and unless you make the play reviewable, it's just gonna be more of it. We had the movie come out where concussions and CTE, you wind the clock back six years or so, and people are calling for the NFL to end. This is what the NFL has to look like. I remember 2018, Kirk Cousins, Packers, it was the same thing, forcible contact to the head, and then they adjusted that a little bit, and then it became a little bit better. Overall, it's always going to be like this, unless you want to put physicality back into the game. And I think it might be time that the media and fans maybe just start saying that. We want more physicality. We love violence in football. I like watching defense. I love watching big hits. I love watching tackles. I want to see my team, if we don't have a quarterback, if you're the Carolina Panthers, wouldn't you want a shot to actually be a viable team? The rules aren't conducive for you if you have a good defense to win in the league. And they never will be. It'll always skew towards offense. But wouldn't you maybe want the rules from, say, 2010, 2011, when you have Mark Sanchez? Wouldn't you like the rules to maybe be a little bit more even? What What's wrong with saying that? Now, you're never going to have them skew towards the side where, you know, CTE is going to be back in the picture, but maybe you do adjust some of these rules and say, you know what, we're, we've, we've gone all the way to the other side of the pendulum. We got to get back into the middle just a little bit. It'll take maybe one major voice like a head coach or even a general manager just to say, yeah, we, we got to get some physicality back in the game. That's my solution. Get more violence, get more physicality. I'm not saying you take guys' heads off. I'm not talking about the the John Lynch days, the Troy Palomalo days, but you know some of these calls, it's just like, let's scale it back a little bit and give a little more leeway to the defense. So one, you don't get these egregious calls. And if you have a bad team that doesn't have a quarterback, maybe you have a shot to actually win some games and go to the playoffs. Now, they won the football game in Cleveland 30-28. to I actually didn't see the play, the replays, until later on because I was catching the other game with Miss Taylor and the Chicago Bears, who, man, they're just hanging around just enough. Miss Taylor's really into it. Justin Fields, she wants to hold out hope, but I'm kind of telling her, look, it's, it's not looking too good. He's not playing that well. I don't think they're setting him up too well, but... You know, overall, the Bears can't play four quarters. They play good in the second half, but that's where my attention was. It wasn't until later that I saw with Brandon Staley just the boneheaded decisions that he's making. And I saw an interesting or heard an interesting thought earlier in the week or, or after the game, rather, that he was really giving analytics a bad name. And that's an all-encompassing term, analytics, and he is the one that's just big on just going for it on fourth down. 
blindly, just going for it every single time. And that's not actually using data to your benefit. That's just you saying, I'm going for it every single time our offense is, our offense has the, the football. And that doesn't make sense. There's this little thing called situations, risk, and your opponent. Are they actually good enough to beat you? Sometimes it's not worth throwing that out there and giving them a chance to rebuttal and get them an easy score. And this guy just seems to walk through the halls in LA like he knows football. And you actually open up his Wikipedia page. He's been in the league since 2009. I was talking to a friend just yesterday about how a lot of these coaches, they haven't even been in football that long. Like Matt Rule just got fired from the Panthers. He was in the NFL for one year. And I'm not saying that's why he necessarily failed as an NFL coach, but you're seeing less and less experience where if you pull up a Nick Saban Wikipedia page, even for college football, that guy grinded for years. We're talking like decades before he got his first head coaching job. Bill Belichick even. John Foxes of the world. Jeff Fisher. Those guys put in years and years of hard work. Dean Pease called this out last year. He's been a coordinator. I think he might have been a head coach at one point in time. But he says every coordinator, once their side of the ball has a good year, they're already looking for their head coaching job. They're wondering why they're not a head coach. Why am I not getting interviewed? And that's just silliness. And I think it's showing up with Brandon Staley, Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur. His scars have been band-aided by Aaron Rodgers because he's had the MVP the past two years. That guy's not an NFL coach. If Matt LaFleur was coaching the Panthers, he would have been fired today. But Matt Rule has that job. And so it's just this real, real bad brand of football that we're watching. Tom Brady called it out. I watch a lot of bad football. And some of that is the schedule. I know we had these early games in the season between like the Jets and the Texans and the Jags and the Texans. Just these bad matchups that the NFL wants to get out of the way, which is good. So that way later on in the year when the interest is a little bit lower, they don't have to roll those out there. But you combine the fact that you got Staley giving analytics a bad name. You got offensive coordinators just looking at their play sheet. Head is just buried in their menu of plays offensively, and they're not even paying attention to the rest of the side of the football. You know, it, it gives a lot of credence. It gives a lot of ammo to guys like Mike McCarthy. People thought Mike McCarthy was just a, a meathead, didn't know how to coach. Now he's won four in a row. Excuse me, is it five in a row? I know Cooper Rush is five in a row in his career. He's won four straight with a backup quarterback, and he's lending a, a lot of validity that, You want a head coach that's been in the league a long time and a guy that knows not just how to call plays, but a lot of other things. Because if you're the Bengals, if you're the Steeler, or if you're the uh, uh, Browns and and Chargers here, you know you might be looking for a head coach pretty soon here. So I already touched on it that Matt Rule got fired by the Carolina Panthers. David Tepper, he's a guy that's not going to play around. He paid $40 million for this guy to walk away from his building in Charlotte. So I'm not a part of the camp here where people think he just sucks and he doesn't know how to coach. I think he should have gotten fired, but for different reasons, I don't think he's a disaster. I think he actually improved the program. I think there's a lot of talent there. And I think he actually did a good job at finding 
players that can play at that level. Now, did he go a little bit too far in trying to make this like, you know, Baylor University in Charlotte, you know, the 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 Carolina Bears <laughs> or the Temple Temple Owls in, in uh, by way of South Carolina or North Carolina? He he got too many of his guys. The too many of the Robbie Andersons, too many of the Hassan Reddicks. He got all his Baylor and Temple guys, and it just wasn't enough. But he also had Teddy Bridgewater. He also had Sam Darnold, who, again, I liked him coming out. Turns out he's not that good. And now he's got Baker Mayfield, who's hobbled, and he's not playing well either. So the quarterback situation was never figured out. And I just think, what if he was the Packers head coach? What if Matt LaFleur was in Carolina? It would be the other way around. Matt Fleur would have a job. You'd be thinking he's a good NFL coach. And he probably would not be in actuality. But that just goes to show your situation, your environment is everything. And he's going to go to Oklahoma. He'll go to Auburn. He'll get hired and he'll make a bunch of money. And he's already making a bunch of money. But it always depends on who is your quarterback, who is your owner and general manager. And overall, you need to take this job as a stepping stone to potentially get back in the NFL. Cause I don't think we've seen the last of them. He did do a good job of drafting and developing a defense. I know they're talking about trading Christian McCaffrey and Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick. And I'm just thinking out loud, like why, why do you want to trade Joe Horn? Your first round pick. You're trying to make the job more attractive with draft picks for the next head coach. Wouldn't the next head coach want good football players? Wouldn't he want to search for fewer good football players? I would keep Brian Burns. I would keep Horn. I would keep Christian McCaffrey. I want those guys on my team that I inherit. Now, obviously, you want to give him some ammo so he can find the quarterback because they got to figure that situation out. But there's just some backwards thinking with the media and the public that that is the way to go. You're just making the job more harder when you subtract good players. Then you just have to replace them. And, you know, if it means just trying to get all that ammo for the quarterback position, that's one thing. But, you know, if they think they're actually going to make the job more attractive, no, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing that Matt Rule inherited and why he doesn't have a job right now. So if I'm a prospective candidate and you're going through interviews, maybe informal interviews right now with Tepper, I would tell him, do not trade those players. I want those guys. That's how we get to winning faster, David Tepper. I know you're a, a hedge fund guy or a, you know, really smart businessman. He paid for his team in, in full cash, paid billions of dollars for the Panthers. But football-wise, I want good football players. So they would be wise to hang on to those guys. And Matt Rule, I think he actually makes a return to the NFL at some point. Maybe goes a, a little Belichick route or more Tom Coughlin who returned to the college game. And we'll see where he goes before. He, uh, he had a tough go of it there with the Panthers. I was reminded just how much I love the Major League Baseball playoffs. I don't know if it was just 2020. Last year in 2021 seemed a little bit off. I do love the playoffs, uh, but just something a little bit different with it. I don't know if it was just the three-game wild card and really just wanting to check out that new format for the first time, but I was just like, wow, these games are so intense you got big names. You got well-run organizations. I was not disappointed with any of the teams that actually made it. Sometimes, you know, a team makes it and you're just kind of like, eh, you know, they had a good year, but doesn't quite do it for me. You know, like the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, when they make it, it's just kind of like, meh, shrug, you, you know. But 
You got the Mariners in there who hadn't made it since 2001, and then they come back from an 8-1 deficit, and you see Scott Surveys, or Surveys, I, I forget how to say his name, played for the Cubs, did, had a whole bunch of losing, and he's managing them, and that, that that's great. And then you got the Guardians who, you know, the media says that they're tanking actively and they don't want to spend any money and they're a uh, 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 embarrassment to the sport. And then they come back and make the playoffs again. At some point, Rosenthal, Stark, all these other teams, I never said it, all these guys that are saying that they're actually not trying to win, they, they should apologize because they're one of the most well-run organizations in all of baseball and they churn out pitchers left and right. You got Plesak, you got Bieber, you got McKenzie, you got Classe in the bullpen. Like, it's Karinchek. It's unbelievable. Airtight bullpen. I think this is the guard's year. Cleveland baseball. I, I really do. I think that offensively, they don't have that much power, but I don't see a liability. And I think that they actually do take quality at-bats. They don't give at-bats away. And you got a great manager in Terry Francona. I think this could be the year if they can get past the Yankees and the Yankees bullpen. They, they are in shambles. I do not trust the Yankees at all going into the series. It's about to kick off here in about an hour. And I don't like the Yankees at all. I don't like their chances at all. I know this is big for Aaron Boone. If he is three games and out, he'll probably get fired. He's got to win a couple of games just to save his job. But ultimately, I don't think his Yankees can do it because their bullpen is just, it's a wreck. And their starters, they, I mean, they don't have a horse outside of Cole. And there's a lot of times in the first inning Garrett Cole just gives up like three homers. He's like led the league in home runs the entire year, and his first innings have been atrocious. So on the American League side of things, I think the guards are going to win. Astros, I don't want to count them out. Mariners are winning right now as of this recording. I think it's going to be Astros in five ultimately, but would not be surprised at all if this momentum with the Mariners moves forward. Now on the NL side of things, really love... What's going on in Philadelphia? I think it's a momentum thing, and they crushed Atlanta earlier in the day. I think Atlanta looked like a team that had not been playing for, for several days, five days. Uh, I think they do get back on track, and they ultimately beat Phillies just because they have more pitching. They have more depth, and the more you use that Philly bullpen, even in a five-game series, they're not going to hold up. They just won't. And if you put the ball in play, which Atlanta will do, they got a smart manager in Snicker, that Phillies defense, meh. You know, in a, in a three-game series where the Cardinals can't even touch Aaron Nola, can't even touch Zach Wheeler, you can get away with defense because your two dogs, your two horses, are striking everybody out. Cardinals didn't get any hits, didn't get any runs. So the defense, you, you can hide it. I don't think they can do that versus Atlanta. And then the Dodgers, the Padres, this is going to be the granddaddy of them all. Hat tip to, to Jackson, old ABC broadcaster. This is going to be the best of the best. And... I think the Padres will put up a fight. They're obviously going to bring their A game. They're going to be dialed in. And I think they take it to five. But the Dodgers, I mean, they're, they're a dynasty. How do you bet against this team? They got too much talent. They're, it's it's a machine. It's, it's like the New England Patriots of like six years ago. You just think, how the heck do they keep doing this? They just keep bringing arm after arm after arm. And yet Walker Bueller is out. Uh, uh, Craig Kimbrell is bad. Uh, uh. Uh, Gonsolin isn't pitching and Tommy Canely, another reliever that they have at one point. It's just like they have all these big names. They all get hurt yet. They're still just shoving on the mound and they still just have 
I don't know, maybe the five best hitters ever in a lineup that were all MVPs at one point in time. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, uh, Trey Turner, uh, Justin Turner, Max Muncy. It's it's just incredible. And, you know, I, I think that even in a five-game series, as wonky as baseball is, I don't think the Padres can get it done. I think they have just a few more vulnerabilities than the Dodgers, and the Dodgers will exploit them. And they got two great managers, which is maybe a little underscore here to 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 keep in mind. I think that Bob Melvin can go toe-to-toe with Dave Roberts, but I'll give the edge of the Dodgers in the NL. So I'm actually checking it out here, and the Phillies actually... They didn't give up the lead. They they won seven to six, but uh, they at one point were up seven to one, and they let Atlanta back into the game. And then I see Cassianos, who had a couple of knocks, and then a great catch. So it was a little bit closer than I originally thought. And I'm seeing that the Mariners here, JP Crawford went deep, and looking at their score, let's see here. Yeah, it's seven to five. So Astros are back in it. I, I haven't been paying attention to it as I record, but. Um, wanted to talk about Bill Belichick. Did anybody see that the Patriots won 29 to zero with Bailey Zappi at quarterback? Th- this needs to put to rest the, the old debate of Tom or Belichick, who, who was needed more. The answer is both. Belichick needed Tom. Tom needed Belichick. Tom would not be the disciplined, regimented, intellectual quarterback that he is today without Belichick. And Belichick would not have as many wins, would not be able to operate and plug and play run-of-the-mill veteran players that are frankly average athletically, but have some smarts that he can coach up if he did not have Tom. Because Tom is able to hold players accountable, take less money, and have a program run efficiently on the terms of the head honcho. And for years, it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing to watch because you don't see that nowadays. Roethlisberger, he wasn't taking that much coaching from Tomlin. And Joe Flacco even wasn't really a strong voice for Harbaugh to have a program run his way. When you can yell and scream at your best player, who's your quarterback and he's only making $13 million, that means that the second best player, maybe your receiver, maybe your linebacker, maybe your cornerback, they're going to take shit as well. And they're not going to ask for $13 million because they know that the best player, the most important player is not. So when Belichick runs out there with Bailey Zappi, just like he did with Jacoby Brissett when Tom was serving his suspension, I know he still has his fastball. There's a lot of question marks coming in here in 2022. Is this his last year? No. This guy's 70 years old, and he's still chewing the nail. He's still getting after it because he loves football. He breathes football. He eats, sleeps, shits football just like Tom Brady. Tom Brady is divorcing his wife for the game of football. Think about this. Like, it's nuts how much these two are similar, but then also dissimilar at the same time. That's why it works so well. And I I looked up at that game, didn't watch a lick of it, and I just thought, (laughs) people are talking about this guy leaving. He doesn't have a backup quarterback. He has a third-string quarterback, and he's pitching a shutout. Yeah, Bill Belichick's not going anywhere. Just some quick hitters from around the league here. Ron Rivera, I know Alex Smith was saying that Ron Rivera, who it's pretty clear that Alex Smith didn't like playing for him, which is kind of strange. They both seem to be same type of cats, but he's kind of spoken out a lot since his career about 
how the team didn't want him around, and now he's saying that Ron Rivera threw Carson Wentz under the bus, which, you know, at first I was thinking, dang, you know, why are you going to do that and, you know, break morale? And if you do that, then other players will see that. But then I thought, you know, Carson Wentz, you made a lot of money in this league. You got traded twice. Like, yeah, maybe you should hear that publicly. Maybe this is a little kick in the ass. Like, you're not playing well enough. Sure, it probably has not been as bad as, like, other people are saying it is. But, yeah, you've made a bunch of money. You were a high pick. And you seem to think that the issue is never you. You should be condemned publicly. And, you know, to his credit, Rivera was just saying, look, the play has been inconsistent compared to the rest of the NFC East teams. That was his question. They were asking him, why are you behind the rest of the league? And he said one word, quarterback. And it is true. And I don't always think if it is the truth, you should say it. But in this instance, with the head coach and with the owner just being off the wall and really just absent, he is the only one speaking for the organization outside the president. But the president, uh, Jason Smith, I think it is, he's just dealing on the business side of things. So really, the only face of football is Ron Rivera. They don't even have a good player on their team, really. Not like a marketable player. So if he says that, you know, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. And then the Chicago Bears, you know, Justin Fields, he seems to be losing a little bit of mo, uh, not momentum, but just empowerment in, in the game. Because I think he understands his talents are not being utilized correctly, and he's got a defensive coach. He's got a GM that gutted the franchise. He's probably looking around like, how the hell am I ever going to succeed here? I'm never going to. This is going to be over within next year. And for his benefit, I hope it is. He should go to the Baltimore Ravens, play behind Lamar Jackson, and then hopefully get a starting job again maybe in 2024. Because as it stands right now, this is headed to be like a, at best, a 500 record. And I said it earlier in the show, Chicago, they fight well in the second half and they got some talent, but there's too many holes that they opened up. And then Russell Wilson, he's expected to play despite the shoulder. I know a lot of people are really just thinking this guy is done. Russ is cooked. I don't think that. I just think he's got to run the ball. I, I don't think maybe his athleticism is you know where it was 10 years ago, but it's not bad. I still think he's an exceptional athlete. He can still run around, guys. That's what he's got to do. Right now, he's just wanting to be a drop-back guy, and it's you know a big part of his game that he's just missing. He's wanting to throw it 50, 60 times, and it's just like, Russ, when you were in MVP consideration, when your team was winning, you were not doing that. So they got to mix in some runs there. And maybe it's something that they unleash later on in the playbook. I remember Kaepernick and Harbaugh, when the Niners were churning, they pretty much just held it until later in the season so he could be fresher and it worked out. So maybe that's what they're doing. But, you know, a, a lot of people are coming for him. I saw uh, on Good Morning Football, the guy, forget it, you know, real Jack dude, used to be on the like Bachelorette shows or the Bachelor shows. Um, he called him a poser, and, you know, he, he kind of is a poser, but he, he is a good teammate, and I think he can still play at a high level, but he, he's just got to get back to the basics with his game. And then Baker Mayfield, you know, with him being hurt, it's hard to tell, but I, I think we're just seeing that maybe he's just not that good. He doesn't love football all that much. He's more into, like, talk trashing or uh, trash talk, and he's not even putting up, like, a 50 completion percentage, so... It's just kind of like, you know, man, maybe you should tone it down a little bit and maybe you should just get healthy and and try to win a backup job next year. 
Like, I, I don't think you're going to do yourself any favors continuing to play while you're hurt. You're just going to play worse, and then you're going to play yourself out of the competition. So, you know, with, with where Carolina is going right now, Steve Wilkes is now running that show. I mean, it's just on the tracks to be a disaster. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. It's the podcast. You got to tell your friends, tell your family, tell your friends where to find us. It's wherever you get your podcasts, Amazon, uh, Google Play, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen, we're there and we're talking all things ball. You got to go catch the Yanks, take on the guards here and the Mariners and Astros finish up that game. So text me your questions, 816-226-7483. Hit up the podcast at gmail.com. You can get your questions answered right here on the show, and we'll see you next week. Later.